Hi, thank you so much for tuning in to the Live Beautiful podcast. It means so much to see you listening to the show at home, on your commute, or out on a walk. Thank you so much for your support and sharing the show with your girlfriends. Today, my friend Danae Logan came over to my house to come on the podcast. We've been talking about recording together for over a year now. We celebrated a little Galentine's Day and our 10-year anniversary of meeting one another. A lot of you have been writing in and texting AMAs about marriage, parenting, co-parenting, romantic relationships, and tips on dating later in life. I thought she'd be the perfect guest as we gear up for Valentine's Day and be on the lookout because we have a bonus Valentine's Day episode coming up with her that includes all the loving tips because an hour with her just wasn't enough. 10 years ago, I rolled out my mat to take a yoga class. And as I laid there in Shavasana, this beautiful soul was speaking to my heart. The instructor was Danae. She of course guided everyone through different postures and sequences, but she had so much to share. She could feel the room and what each of us were going through and growing through. It felt like she spent 50% of the class guiding us through our form and the other 50% guiding us through life and overcoming obstacles. From that point on, I would arrange my schedule to make sure I could make it to one of her classes. I had so many emotional breakthroughs with her and she helped me calm my busy mind and open my heart to being with myself, truly spending time getting to know me. And her class was actually Brian's first yoga class. I brought him because I was like, you have to take Danae's class. It's so, so good. He finally came and of course fell in love with her too. One day she was no longer on the schedule and I was so curious to see where she went and it made so much sense. She became a marriage and family therapist. She's not only the most sought after marriage therapist in LA, she's an author of her book, sovereign love, a wisdom seeker, a mother, a beautiful friend, and she hosts retreats in her podcast called Cheaper Than Therapy. In this episode, we speak on alignment and marriage, interdependence, trusting our relationship wisdom, and truly believing that we are held safely and that life is conspiring for us. Danae redefines the qualities that a marriage and romantic relationship needs to thrive. One of the biggest lessons that she shares and teaches on her podcast is choosing between fear and love. What does fear tell you and what does love tell you? And what we can all learn is truly healing isn't demonizing your past patterns or partners or feeling or causing shame. It's going inward, appreciating the journey you've been on and opening your heart. What did it teach you? What are we meant to understand so we can learn in this life school? The dichotomy can be beautiful and part of our personal evolution. How can everyone live in their future without bitterness? Because it only soils their heart and potential for happiness and loving relationships. We can believe that everyone has loved one another at the capacity that they were able to. And what we can do in this life as love changes form is to embody love, be love, and give love. You will feel so at ease and safe with her. She's like this warm pink Valentine's light that surrounds you. So without further ado, Danae Logan. Today's episode of Live Beautifully is possible because of the farmer's dog. You've all heard me talk about them. They are amazing. Our dog, Winston, has been part of our family for seven years now. You've probably seen him on Instagram or maybe in person. He he was our firstborn. He's our little baby. He's the baby of the family still. It's so important that he stays as healthy as possible. So that means eating healthy food, and it's up to us to make sure that he has that. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy. We all know that. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making in ultra processed food. So we decided to give him something fresh. He was also having a lot of digestive issues. And when we heard about farmer's dog, we said, all right, we'll give it a try. The farmer's dog made everything so much better and he really really looks forward to it he gets so excited it's real fresh healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value just tell them about your dog 
and they'll deliver personalized vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portioned, ready-to-serve packs conveniently delivered on your schedule. Dog parents all across the country have ordered millions of meals from the farmer's dog. They are so trusted, and it's never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash LBWKS. It's short for Live Beautifully with Katrina Scott, so you can remember. Just go to thefarmersdog.com slash LBWKS to get 50% off, plus you'll get free shipping. That's thefarmersdog.com slash LBWKS. I'll also include the link in the show notes. All right, let's keep going with the episode. Thanks for being here. Oh my Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Uh, I did do an intro, but real quick, I want to tell you that I'm so happy that you are a relationship therapist Mm. because even when you were my yoga instructor, I would go to your class and feel like you were completely speaking to me and I would feel healed leaving class. And so now the fact that you get to do that for people and their relationships and their partnerships is such a beautiful gift. And it made so much sense when you shared that because I thought, wow, I was able to experience so many things with her and practice something that felt so sacred for so long. And then now she's passing on that healing to family. So. Oh, Katrina. Good, good on you. (laughs) Thank you so much for that. And I have to tell you, that's such a mirror to the energy that you bring into every room you enter. Mm. I remember when you first came to the studio that I was teaching at. Was I crying? (laughs) No, like I was so, you know, it was so funny because so many of the girls that would come to class were so excited that, you know, they were like, our trainer, Katrina's coming. And you were just so unbelievably warm and lovely and humble. And you would come tell me about the aspects of class that you loved or liked. And I feel like I just was always like, God, I just feel so seen and held. And that's just Aww. the space that you hold for everyone. So Thank you. coming from you, that means so much. You're just the know that. most beautiful there. energy always. Thank you. Mm. I do think that it is such a beautiful quality that you have of speaking to someone's soul. And you talk about that where you're like, we're not just humans living on this earth. We are these souls, these spirits, and really taking care of our souls and Mm. spirits is really important. Um, For anyone that doesn't know you, I would love for you to talk through how you are here today and how you became a therapist and why, um, and just a little bit of your history. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think I've always been a bit of a spiritual seeker. I was that person that used to sit. I was a younger person. This is kind of weird when I say it out loud, but I used to sit in my car and listen to Oprah's Soul Series. And I would just like dive deep into all of the spiritual teachers and what they were saying. And I I loved it. Like I've always loved... um, the seeking and the attempt to understand what we're doing here and what we're meant to do with this life that we have. And that was always, um, I would find so much healing in attempting to understand. Like I remember being a young kid and just feeling a little bit of like, what are we doing here? How did we get here? What happens when we die? All of those existential questions. Wow. And yeah, I feel like when I would ask my mom, she would be like, what, why are you asking me this? I don't know. Like, I don't know how to answer (laughs) these like big questions that I had as a child, but 
the people talking about some of those answers gave me a lot of comfort and a lot of understanding. And I, I loved it. I loved attempting to understand what we're doing here. And, um, and then I became a yoga teacher. Well, I mean, well, back up. I worked in publicity for a lot of years in my 20s. And then I found yoga through my own attempt to heal some of my body image stuff, some of the ways that I felt uncomfortable in my skin when I was younger. And yoga, I remember, was like my first experience of like being in my body fully and like just that deep exhale of like I'm, I'm held in something that feels like healing and comfort and I'm okay here, you know. And we were talking before we started recording about crying in Savasana. <laughs> and I remember um, like one of my first classes, like having all of this, what I understand now is like somatic stuff coming to the surface and me laying down and being still and just sobbing and being like, what is happening? Why am I crying? And it was... Um, you know, just being in my body in a way that really felt healing. And I remember the teacher saying things about like being in your body and like noticing that tension doesn't last forever and eventually it passes. And they were all things that I really needed to understand in that moment. And um, I fell in love with yoga and was like, this is what I want to do all the time. I, I think I was working in Chicago in publicity when I first found it. And then I moved to New York and I just... I just, you know, quarter life crisis, I guess I decided I wanted to just like wait tables and do yoga all the time. And that was like my, um, immersion into like all of these different schools of yoga and, um, disciplines and ways of practicing. And I, it was like the deepest love affair. And I decided I wanted to teach after a while. I don't think I even wanted to teach. I just did a teacher training, which I think a lot of us do when we find, um, these different healing modalities. And I just wanted to learn more. And that first teacher training, um, you know, I think someone gave me an opportunity to teach after the training and it was like, oh, okay, like, and I was terrified, but it resonated and it felt like flow and it felt like this is something that I'm supposed to be doing. And so I taught yoga for a lot of years, um, first in New York, and then I moved to LA and, um, and it was just, it was, it was fun. It was certainly like a hustle trying to make a living teaching yoga. But, um, I remember that people would always talk to me about some of that thing that comes up in yoga. Like, why am I crying? Why is this so emotional? And I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a therapist. <laughs> like, I don't really know what to say. Um, but I was still in the space of really being curious about like, why we react the way we do in relationships and what's coming to the surface when we're having like big reactions and all of these things like human behavior was always fascinating to me. Um, and then I remember I went to like a family immersive weekend, um, just to do some therapy. And I was like, this, well, I think I was in therapy for years. I've always been that, that weirdo that like loves going to therapy. It feels like a You're massage like, to wait. me. I'm like, Self-care. everybody's, yes, it really is. Like a lot of people are like, you know, therapy feels scary. I'm like, I love sitting in like, why do I do these things that I do? I, I always, love it too. I love do. understanding. I love understanding and how we can improve ourselves. Mm. I first went to therapy to try to fix myself And I thought there were so many problems with me and the therapist was like, Hey, there's, there's actually no problems. We just need to work on better boundaries of what you allow in your life because you can't change other people, but we can improve on the way that you allow things that are happening. Mm. And so I thought that was really 
Great. I mean, absolutely agree with your therapist. And I think that is one of the spaces that we get really stuck in the space of suffering and, you know, challenges in our relationships. Ultimately, we are only in control of ourselves. A lot of times it's, you know, when when we go into therapy and we understand why we react the way that we do, a lot of times it's the things that have hurt us along our path, um, our childhood wounds. And, and when we understand those things about ourselves, we understand everybody's got those. And so a lot of times people are meeting us to the extent that they've met themselves. They're able to love us to the extent that they know how to love or what they learned about love. And it's not personal, it certainly feels personal, but um, understanding that can just bring a lot of healing, you know. And then you just woke up to one day and you're like, I'm going to be a therapist. Well, so, you know, in the yoga community, it's it's pretty small community in L.A. And yeah. there were a bunch of teachers that had also go- gone to the school that it's 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 a depth psychology school, which basically is the psychology of the soul, which is what you sort of started mm-hmm. off speaking to. And. What that means is just that understanding that we are human beings, excuse me, that we are spiritual beings having a temporary human experience. We are not these bodies. We are more than that. And it's sort of like, I like to think of it like the hero's journey, which is, you know, Joseph Campbell's work is based in that, but it's sort of zooming out at our lives and looking at all of the things we go through as this chapter of my life is meant to teach me certain things that I'm meant to understand, you know, um, I like to think of this as a life school and that everything we go through, all of the dragons we need to slay along the path of our journey are are there to teach us some things that we need to understand and to grow through. But it's just a little bit of a different um, way of holding what we do in the therapy work. It's a little bit more of an Eastern philosophy versus in the West. It's very like clinical and like problem solution. Something's wrong, we fix it. And um, it's a little bit more like the experience exploring of like, what can we be curious about? Like what this is here to teach me, that type of thing. And so that was the type of school that I went to for therapy. I feel like that's such a perfect way to approach improvement Mm. of yourself and your life. So you mostly focus on relationships, marriages. For anyone that is listening that is single, we'll go right in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they're looking for a partner. What's your advice to someone like you say, a lot on your podcast and Mm. on your Instagram of trusting their wisdom in dating because they probably have a lot of experience that maybe it didn't go according to what they wanted or their plan. Mm. And so how can they trust their wisdom and how can they really find their partner, but also have a sense of self? Mm. I love that question. I think that is so much of our work is to find ourselves, continue to do this work, which is lifelong work of knowing ourselves well, and that I believe the person that we are meant to be in partnership with. And I think if we have the desire for that, that's something that we're meant to experience, but it's a little bit trusting in our soul's path and that the person that we are meant to find and experience and be with will find us when we are in alignment with that person. And so if I haven't found that person yet, maybe there's some more work that I need to do on knowing myself well, or maybe I need to spend some more time for whatever reason in my singlehood journey. But a lot of times, um, you know, we're in these dichotomies and I'm sort of obsessed with these dualities of like the ego and the soul. And um, a lot of times our ego mind's like, nope, this is the way that it needs to be. And this is when it should happen. And I should have this person already where our soul 
has a different plan, but a lot of times with good reason. And that's that whole thing of like, you know, I'm sure as we all have, you've had those moments where it's like, I wanted something desperately. And then I couldn't see because I can't see the entire trajectory of how things are going to work out. Why, if I'd gotten that thing that I thought I wanted, it would have been horrible. Like Mm. a job that I thought I wanted that would have been the worst fit ever. And I can't see until I'm out of it and maybe a couple years down the road, why that wouldn't have been the right fit for me. But it's a little bit trusting in life's unfolding and that if a relationship didn't work out for whatever reason, maybe it wasn't the right fit or I was being protected. It's a little bit the way that I hold it in terms of what our souls are meant to understand with all the experiences we go through, you know. It's that saying that things aren't happening to us, but they're happening for us. Einstein said, we either believe that we live in a friendly universe or we don't, right? And so what I understand him to mean in saying that is like, we either believe that life is conspiring to support us, even through the really difficult things, even through the pain points, we're growing through those things, you know? Um, And that can be really hard to hear and think about when we're in the midst of the painful moments. But big picture of our lives, I believe that is always the case and that um, we're always supported, we're always held. And a lot of times we can't see that until we're on the other side of something. Yeah. But I believe that we are and I believe that it's all happening for us. I like that you talk about that too, where you're like, okay, if you're in a relationship and you've been wishing so badly for support and mm. to be seen and someone that is loving and then the relationship doesn't work out, it's actually because you will get that, but it wasn't that person. And so maybe the universe was taking care of your exact wish. And it feels like, how is this happening? This isn't what I wished for, but really ultimately it is. Yeah. I like to think of it as like the contrast that gives us clarity. So if this person, for whatever reason, wasn't in alignment with what I ultimately want in a partner, being with this person and having it not work out gave me a lot of clarity because I've really learned a lot about what works and what doesn't work. And maybe that was the point, right? But we have this idea that we should be able to hold on to things. Sometimes I believe beyond their expiration point, and that's hard for sure. But if I can allow myself to trust and just surrender and surrender doesn't mean like (laughs) surrender until this isn't comfortable anymore. It means like I'm out of it universe. I trust you. I trust that you have my back. Um, then I find like we will bring that person in that's in alignment or whatever experiences we're meant to have. But it's like, we really got to like trust and let go. My girlfriends and I talk about that all the time about, you know, past that expiration point or, when our intuition first tells us that this isn't right, but you force it and you avoid conflict. Mm. Yeah. I think we're so conditioned to be conflict averse, like that as long as, you know, everything looks good, as long as there's like no big conflict, everything's okay. And what I find so often with couples is the conversations that we don't have are actually what comes between us and our relationships, right? So, Mm. but so often what we do is we don't have the conversations. It just creates distance between people. And then eventually we can't repair anymore because there's just too much distance to come back from, you know? Can you talk to me about how to approach somebody? Because a lot of times we don't want to point the finger and say, you, you, how can you, how can you reverse that and talk about how it makes you feel like I, I feel this way when this happens between us. Yes. Love that. And I love what you said. Cause I think that a lot of times I'm telling, well, the phrase that I love, I love this with couples work. I love this in relational work in general. And this is still from Brene Brown, but it's the story I'm telling myself is I think it immediately 
puts the other person's defenses down a little bit because this is what I'm telling myself about why you're sort of putting these little digs in and I'm telling myself the story that maybe you're mad at me about something else and that's why maybe you're putting in some passive aggressive digs in our conversation a little bit and I'm telling myself that's the story about why and that person can sort of say well yeah actually you did do some things that rubbed me the wrong way and then we're in conversation about that or they can say no that's not at all um why but thank you for that information or whatever their response is but I think it's Whenever we're attempting to meet other people in relationships, if we can really just stay in our lane and take responsibility, it's always like the I statements, right? So I'm telling myself the story. I felt something when this went on. Um, It's not like whenever I start pointing the finger and it's like a you do this and you're like, then that person's going to literally stop hearing you because they just go into defense mode. Yeah. Yeah. So if I can really own, I'm telling myself the story, it's a little bit of like the most generous interpretation or the benefit of the out zone. Um, but this is where I went when this came up, you know? Yeah. An example of that may be, I feel sad when we have these type of exchanges with each other and I can't sleep at night because I think about these things when this happens between us and nowhere in there you're saying you do this to me. Exactly. Yeah. It's about my process, my fears that come up, my Mm -hmm. feeling like, maybe you don't love me or whatever the story I'm telling myself is Mm -hmm. about the reason, but it's not pointing the finger at you and making you a bad person. It's, this is what happens for me when our exchange goes like this. And that person just becomes a lot more willing to hear you with an open heart than they are when you're telling them, because none of us want to feel like we're bad people. It's just like the human response to defend against that feeling. And so if it's like, this is what's happening for me, I, I assume you're not (laughs) attempting to make me feel this way, but this is what comes up, you know? I love that. That's beautiful. Mm. What qualities does a successful and meaningful relationship need? Mm. Love that question. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's such an interesting thing because I think in a lot of ways we're redefining what that looks like. Um, I heard Dr. Alexandra Solomon say on her podcast a little while ago that our grandparents' grandparents' models of love and relationships just aren't going to cut it anymore. We're really having to expand what that looks like in a time when we have instant gratification and there's like distractions everywhere and you know, we're, we're changing a lot in terms of like our roles as men and women and um whatever our relationship dynamics are. I don't know if you saw that documentary and film, um, documentary and book, Fair Play. Did you hear about that at all? No, but I'm taking notes. Oh my gosh. It's, it was kind of like the response from women was huge, but basically what the premise of what this woman was saying is that there's an emotional labor that mothers carry that is not equal. And so if moms are going to work all day, it's like they come home and they have the second shift. And now I've got to be responsible for all the things for, you know, sometimes that looks like dinner, but it also looks like keeping up with when the play dates are and when this our kid has to wear this costume and, you know, have this book and all of these things that it's just like, it felt like an uneven distribution. And it's tough to talk about because a lot of times, um, and obviously I'm speaking heteronormatively in this case, but what men will say to their wives is like, well, just let me know what to do. And I'm here for it. And it's like, yeah, but the fact that I have to know what to do to tell you what to do 
is a lot of emotional labor. It's a lot of emotional, like working things out in my head. And so that's one of the most common things I feel like moms talk to me about is like, I'm so depleted, not just because of like what the physical things are that I need to do, but all of the things I need to keep up with in my head. In addition to the fact that I'm going to work all day and it's a lot. Right. And so it's just a little bit, I like to say to couples, like we're in the space where we're all living here. Like we all have to divide and conquer. It's like, who is the most effective at doing the lottery? Who has the time to do it? Like all of these gender roles that maybe our parents and our parents' parents grew up with, they're just not going to fly anymore. Like we all have to divide and conquer a little bit more than we needed to, because frankly, you know, more than any other time in history, women are choosing relationships because they're fulfilling, not because they need to be in relationships. Mm, Um, There was this article it was called Rise of the Single Lonely Man. And it was talking about how men are really struggling to find like on dating apps. They're like, there's like a very small percentage of men that are actually getting dates, but there's this huge percentage of men that are like really lonely and unable to find women that want to partner with them. Aww. And it's because a lot of women are sort of like, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to hold out for a relationship that really feels true and beautiful and fulfilling. And if it's not that, I'm good, you know? Yeah. Wow. I know. I feel like very traditionally women their acts of service were Mm. part of a healthy relationship yes you know doing the laundry making sure dinner was on the table ironing yes oh my god my dad (laughs) retired my mom like hung up her iron (laughs) probably literally she probably threw it out the window and she told me the story that my dad needed uh something ironed and she said oh I'm my work here is done. You gotta <laughs> Good do luck. that yourself. <laughs> Shout out to Jane Aww. and Chris, they're adorable. But I Brian, now when I look at our relationship, I don't do his laundry hmm. because I probably just like fold his shirts incorrectly. And he irons his own things and he actually irons for me if I'm going to an event or something because you know he's so good at it so I'm like if you're so good at this why you do mine too yeah and he uh he cooks more which is nice and then I want to explore cooking and uh we have we definitely have our roles in the house and I do think it has to has a lot to do with letting go of any ego of what you take care of in the house absolutely yeah It feels like it's just shifting to like what makes the most sense and we get to create a life together as a partnership that feels good for both of us. Okay. So speaking about that, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good segue into something that you talk about a lot, Mm -hmm. which is interdependence. Yes. What is that? Because (laughs) all of us probably need a little more of this. You're right. All of us. And it's funny because people will say, can I be codependent outside of my partnership? And I'm like, oh, you are codependent (laughs) in all of your relationships because it's just how we're raised in our society to be. Mm. Um, It's the flag that I'm obsessed with waving that we have to shift away from codependency because I, I just believe it's how we're meant to evolve. For anyone that doesn't know. Define what codependency is. Yeah. Yeah, So codependency is essentially, um, I'm okay if we're okay, right? It's, I regulate my nervous system, my internal world through my relationship with another person. So it's the people pleasing, it's the, um, you know, trying to fix people and do things for them because I'm worried they can't do them themselves. It's a lack of boundaries sometimes because I don't want people to get mad at me. It's um, basically like we can be enmeshed sometimes. And like I, I, if someone else, like you'll hear parents say something like, 
I'm only as good as my like kid who's not doing well, right? And of course, it's like a very normal response. Like both of us as mamas understand yeah. that. And that is codependent, right? Like, and a lot of times what we do in our codependent dynamics is we create relationships with other people where there's like a dependency and we are human animals. We need one another. We need connection for survival. So people will say, well, so what are, if we're not codependent, what are we? Right. And it's not to like swing to the other end of the pendulum of hyper independence and I don't need anybody and we're all in this for ourselves. Like, no, that's not the goal. Um, but interdependence for me is I read in a parenting book once that I loved so much because I thought it was like the most beautiful illustration of what interdependence is, which is I can't fix this, but I can go through it with you. So I'm here with you. I'm in relationship with you, but I believe as souls, each of us have struggles and pain points and wounds that we are meant to work through. And I can be right here with you and I can support you, but I'm not going to fix things for you because I'm teaching you that you're not capable of doing that when I do that, you know? Wow. Yeah, it's um, there are ways that we are creating a life that is true and works for both of us. And I think we've all had really codependent relationships where it's like, I'm okay if my relationship is okay. This other person, like really enmeshed dynamics, like where I don't know where I begin and the other person ends. And interdependence is like, each of us are meant to go through different things as souls, but we're here witnessing one another in our journeys, supporting one another, and really growing together. It's like the work of self-actualization in partnership versus like, I believe I need anyone outside of me for survival, because that actually isn't the most healthy thing for us to believe about ourselves. We should believe like, no, I want you here, but I don't need you here. Like, mm -hmm. I, I love you. I want to be in relationship, but... I know that I'm okay regardless, you know. I totally need Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even know where uh, our electricity bill goes. <laughs> well, and it's hard because, listen, I mean, some of those are the rules that we play, right? Like, yeah. some of, it's, it's funny That's because... teamwork. <laughs> it is, right? Like, I think that some of that is, like, this is what makes sense as a team. Mm. And here's the thing, like... If Brian, I don't know, were on a trip somewhere and couldn't get back and you like as a mama needed to figure out some of the things you're saying that Brian does, yeah. you would figure it out, right? Yeah. But Oh, I'll tell you a story because <laughs> we're talking about moving into this house. There was a like a, a stovetop here mm. before we got a different one because I was like, I can't use this. And he was um, in China. And I spent the first like two weeks in this house by myself. Oh my and gosh. first of all, I was calling my mom off the hook because I'm like, I can't figure out how to use this. <laughs> I can't call him because he's in a different time zone. And I was like, what is going on? Have I just not been paying attention <laughs> in life? And I, I have my uh, sister-in-law and best friend here. And we we're trying to make dinner and the stove, we couldn't turn on the stove that I ended up calling Brian. I'm like, what is going on? He's like, oh no, you need a special pan for that stove. So it's not <laughs> you guys, it's the pan. But we were cracking up because it always happens where when he's gone, like something falls apart in the house and I'm like, what is going on? But I want to be more independent. And I do think that I have a history, and this is what I've learned through therapy, of abandoning myself and my needs and my even identity to make sure that others are happy. And what happens there is um, as long as they're happy, then I can be happy. As long as they feel loved, then maybe like we will have love. And I, and I, 
And I look back at how much I was sharing before therapy about taking care of what I thought was of everybody else. And then I would sleep well at night. And that's where, um, actually, could you talk to me too about empath? Because when I first heard that word, I was like, oh, that's a great thing. I'm (laughs) really empathetic. And people always tell me that. But then it can be really debilitating. So for anyone that doesn't know what empath is, yeah. let's talk about that. Well, so there's different ways that people talk about what an empath is. I think a lot of times the way that people talk about empath is, um, you know, there can be like an over, I don't want to say like an a way that we over empathize with people, but it's, it's again, that thing of like, I feel this person's energy and I need to like make it okay. So I can, so I can exhale. Right. Um, that that's codependency. And so that is when, you know, we can be not necessarily in a healthy relationship with our empathy, but there's also, you know, empathy, an empath, um, the way I understand it from like a spiritual perspective is that we pick up on energy from one another and we are all connected, right? So that's going to be an inevitable thing. But what do I do about that? Like I will sometimes if like, you know, you'll like go into a like crowded place and like the energy in the room is just like dense or like you'll feel that sometimes, right? Like that, like people who are really sensitive, like um, HSPs, highly sensitive people, that's a little like they can be like a little bit more of empaths, like picking up on things. Now, some of this is like we as women are just like really intuitive. And so that's part of like our strong feminine energy anyway. Yeah. I was just going to say, I feel like most of us, or at least most of the women that I feel like I know have a little bit of that. Like we walk in a room and we, we can see the saddest person in the room. So Mm. we want to make sure that they feel included or happy in it. From what I know about that, I think a lot of women pick up on Mm. the saddest person in the room or even as a yoga instructor. Yeah. Who, who in Shavasana was mostly moved and then making sure you speak to that person mm. after you and I both waited tables, making sure that the table that felt the most on edge was really taken care of. Yes. You know, what is that? Yeah, absolutely. That's so that is our intuition. And I would say as women who are core feminines and I'm a little bit obsessed with and writing a book right now on masculine and feminine energetics within all of us, because mm. Carl Jung um, and Jungian psychology is uh, a form of depth psychology that um, I study a little bit, but all of us have both masculine and feminine dynamics within us, energy within us, but core feminine women um, have a deeper layer of intuition. And so, so much of what our society has conditioned us as women to do, to be in the role of um, pleasers and caretakers and some of these things that we're socialized to do and be, you were talking about your friends a little while ago and you were saying like, they always have like an intuitive hit about like people like I knew I shouldn't be with that guy or whatever right but we're really conditioned to talk ourselves out of our intuition it's like well I mean he's nice enough my friends seem to like him I'll give him the benefit of the doubt but it's that thing of like trusting the truth of like what I always know like no matter what whenever I talk to a woman about something exactly like you said she's like oh I knew I just talked to myself out of it right and so yeah it's our gift and a lot of times we really need to like tune back into trusting it. I think some something in us too doesn't want to be wrong. Mm. <laughs> Where we welcome something in and then our intuition says, oh, this isn't going to be right. And we so desperately want to make it right You're and so that right. we can fix it. 
and then we can keep it going. And then, and then we're proving to ourselves, oh, we are good. Uh, I mean, and so much of that to me is the idea we're raised with that like we're meant to be perfect and we're not meant to like make mistakes and you got to get it right. And I actually don't think that's the point of life. You know, if this is a life school, that means that every relationship, even the ones that expire or didn't work out, like I learned something. So it was perfect. It was what it needed to be. But to your point, we want to make ourselves wrong or be hard on ourselves when something didn't work out, whatever, you know, work out means. But, um, it was all for our learning. And so it's like, we want to just like stay the course with something because heaven forbid I make a mistake and I, I did something wrong, but I think it's just reframing what it is to do something wrong or what the purpose of all of our relationships and all of the experiences we have are is. Yeah. How important is compromise? This is going to be an unpopular opinion. (laughs) Bring it on. Um, I don't really believe in compromise. Mm. I think compromise isn't sustainable over time in relationships. I believe in alignment. And so I think it's more about like, how do we get in alignment with what our desires are? But if someone's like, I don't want you going out dancing. (laughs) How sad. What if someone really loves (laughs) to dance? And it's like, So that's not sustainable. If I'm like suppressing a part of the truth of who I am because my partner doesn't, you know, want me dancing without them, that's not sustainable for a lifetime if if the goal is to be married for a lifetime. So I think it's more useful for couples to say, how can we get in alignment and sort of configure what works? How can we come up with some sort of understanding about why this is important um, in our partnership and we're both on the same page, but Mm -hmm. like, compromise a lot of times to me means like one person gets their way another person gets their way which I think it's more like how do we both like thrive and create lives that we both want to be living like I don't I don't think we're meant to be suffering or unhappy or like I I just don't think that's the point of life but if we have a shared mission and I trust you and I trust in what we're building together then we seek to come back into alignment versus like I need you to shut that down because it makes me uncomfortable you know That's so good because, for example, if someone's watching football every Sunday and that's part of their identity, maybe they grew up doing that with their family. Yeah, that's a big one. (laughs) Maybe that's a tradition tradition that they did with their father Mm -hmm. and watching Sunday football is a way that they feel close to something that feels familiar. Yes. But I think it's like if I love this person Mm -hmm. and to your point, this is something that brings them joy. Why do I not want my partner to feel joy? Like Mm -hmm. that kind of makes me like sad. Like I think it's more can I be curious about the story I'm telling myself about what this means or the way that I feel like I'm being shortchanged by them watching football or whatever they're doing? And can I say, okay, well, what's a way that we could connect? Because, you know, ultimately that's about me wanting to connect with my partner at a time that both of us win, that we're in alignment with that. Like we go hiking, you know, before he watches football or whatever. And then we have some good, solid quality time connecting with one another, but he doesn't have to compromise a part of himself to be in relationship with me. Cause at some point he's going to resent that he can't watch football anymore. And yeah. that doesn't like neither of us. And win. the season ends <laughs> when the season's over, then it's Sunday family mm. day, <laughs> something like that. I like to think that not everything is so permanent. Yes. You know, these feelings are temporary. If anyone that's listening is that feeling such intense pain Mm. or they feel change or something that's happening in their life, it's all temporary. What is it? This too shall pass. 
so much wisdom in what you just said, because understanding that like life has seasons, no discomfort lasts forever. The only constant is change. There's so much of a deep, solid exhale we can take from that because it's really about acceptance. A lot of times we're resistant to the season Mm -hmm. that we're in, but understanding like this is a season of life. Maybe this is a season of what feels really difficult, but it won't feel this way forever. Should we do a collective exhale together? I love that. Okay, everyone at home, ready? I feel like, you know, if we bring it back to our yoga roots, Mm -hmm. just like grounding in your seat and letting the breath begin there. Just a deep inhale. All the way up your spine and then exhale it out. Mm. I feel like I haven't taken a breath in like a minute. Mm. That was probably my only breath this month. (laughs) That's so real. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so many things that are so real about what it is to be a parent and to be taking care of others that, I don't know, there's something sometimes in just pausing and giving myself a moment to be with myself and like really checking in. Mm -hmm. I think that's so much of why I love therapy and what is so powerful about therapy is because it becomes like 50 minutes of my week that I just get to be with myself and it feels like a big exhale, you know? When you said that you were uh, waiting tables and doing yoga, <laughs> teaching yoga, or just well, oh, first taking. just taking yoga, and then I feel like that's my dream. I would love to wait tables mm-hmm. and practice yoga. Eventually, it's hard. Like waiting tables is a lot of hours on your feet. That's I don't know if you remember that aspect. I was <laughs> in really good shape. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not as young as I used to be, Katrina. I feel like yeah, that could be a long time to stand. I worked at a place called Margaritas in Keene State at and Keene because I went to Keene State and I'd always volunteer to take the section on the second floor because it had these really really steep stairs I'll actually try to find a picture of this restaurant for the show notes so you can see (laughs) because I felt like I could go up the stairs I get my workout in and I loved the energy upstairs I had like these live trees and things like that and I got so many steps in it was before all the things that tracked your steps I mean this is we're talking like over 20 years ago. <laughs> I love that that young, you like had that awareness of like this. I mean, this is why you were in alignment with what you were meant to be doing. Do it but all. It's kind of like atomic habits, like stacking what you're doing, you know, is earning my income to be able to pay rent in college and then also working out and then also really learning to connect with people. Mm. Yeah. There's so many relational skills that we develop when we're waiting tables. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, any social anxiety or any like different types of personalities and like yeah. really, um, you know, responding to conflict because sometimes people are challenged, yeah. with, but they're not kidding. And it's not taking things personally, totally getting a really, really bad tip and <laughs> not chasing off. them in the, totally. in the parking lot, like standing still guy. The things you forget oh. about. Oh yeah. It was really good. I always said that I really think that our kids should wait tables. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian and I talked about like, do, should we open a restaurant and then you know, the girls, that's where they get their first feel of that. Yeah. I think everybody should wait tables if Mm -hmm. they can, because not Mm -hmm. only is it all of these skills we're talking about, but you can always get a job. Like if you have that as a skill set, anywhere in the world that you live, if you like need to make money, like go to a restaurant and try to wait tables somewhere. I loved it. I love it so much. Okay. We talked about so many things <laughs> and you are so generous with your time oh gosh, and your gift. heart. Thank you. I'd love for you to share just one last thing with anyone that's listening that's going through 
a tough season since we're talking, we just talked about seasons, a tough season, whether that's change relationships. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about how we're all coming out of like a really strange time of reset, recalibrating our lives through shutdown. And, you know, what would you say to her or him? I think it's a little bit of what we were saying before that if we believe that we are held and that this is a friendly universe, then everything is happening for us, for our growth and our expansion. And, you know, you and I were talking a little bit about the fact that both of us have experienced miscarriages. And I remember in that moment, um, I think my baby was like, it was like my 12 week appointment. So, you know, it was like that, that moment of like not finding a heartbeat and, um, like me just being so heartbroken. And I remember that like this has become my like reflexive response when something's hard. And I just started praying and I was like, what has this come to teach me? What has this come to teach me? What has this come to teach mm -hmm. me? Because I feel like that is the way that I meet challenging moments now, right? Instead of like, why is this happening to me? It's obviously this is come to teach me something. And I think I can see now that um, my little boy is like the most sacred thing in the world to me. And having the experience of what it is to lose a child, um, I think really offers us that, you know, that like, whatever the pain points are, there is some sort of resilience, beauty in the things that we experience no matter what. And so really meeting this season of challenge with how am I growing through this? How am I being supported and what I'm meant to understand and who I'm meant to become through this moment? It just feels different knowing that it won't last forever, but it's supporting me in becoming who I'm meant to become, you know? When someone's going through a challenging time, can, like, can you imagine who you'll be on the other side of this? Yeah. And how you might be able to support other people, you mm. know, um, Brene Brown says one day you'll tell the story of what you went through and it'll be someone else's survival guide. Right. And I think uh, of like how much you, my God, have been mm. that for so many people, Katrina. And it's like, Thank you we go through these really difficult moments, but then we're able to speak to them and other people understand that they're not alone and what they're going through. Maybe some of that was the point, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you. I love you. I love you, sweetheart. Thanks for coming over. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me over. Thanks for bringing over the treats. <laughs> I mean. She brought me cookies and little cake. Shout out to the source if yeah. you're in Hermosa Beach ever. It's so good. The best. So good. <laughs> I have to like stop there every time I'm down here. So good. Mm. Thank you. Where can everyone find you? Because I'm sure everyone's going to be just trying to find more Danae. Thank you, love. Um, so I have a podcast that I'm going to try to pull mm -hmm. you in on. Called I'm coming. <laughs> um, called Cheaper Than Therapy. Mm. And I, um, I don't do that much individual work with clients um, anymore, but I do a lot of like I host retreats and those types of things all over. So if you ever want to come on vacation with us, we can do that. And then I'm on Instagram. I'm Danae.Logan, D-E-N-E dot L-O-G-A-N on Instagram. And, um, oh, Miss Interdependent. I'm really trying to be on TikTok more, Katrina. It's like, Good. I'm trying. Everyone go uh, thank Danae because this is really beautiful. Mm, thank thank you. you. So much love. Thank you so much for tuning into Live Beautifully today. I hope you loved this episode and that you feel empowered, connected, and of course, inspired to live beautifully. Make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when a new episode comes out. I love seeing your reviews and hearing how this podcast is making a positive impact on your life. So if you haven't yet, I'd love for you to leave a review. I read everything from you and it means the absolute world to me. 
I'll be sharing your reviews and stories on Instagram at Katrina Scott. Also for ask me anything episodes, literally anything, text me on my cell at 213-205-3604. 213-205-3604 with anything you'd like to talk about. Title your text AMA for Ask Me Anything so I can look out for your message. Thanks again for tuning in and sharing this with your girlfriends. I cannot wait to chat soon. Let's live beautifully together.